I'm going to start this episode by going. Hello, James. Hi, Jake. I'm singing the theme tune to our podcast, which has just come on, which I've been hearing in my head. Obviously, the viewers have just, the listeners have just heard it, so I'm just humming into it. Brilliant. <laughs> I thought it'd be a better. I thought it'd be a good intro. I kind of feel now like it probably wasn't a very good intro. I, I don't know. Probably, probably top top ten intros. If of, you're of listening this to this podcast for the first time, for God's sake, just stop now. Go back and listen to another episode before you start judging it. <laughs> don't leave a comment. Don't leave a review. Go back and listen to some other ones, and uh, then you can decide. How are you, James? I, I'm good, Jake. Uh, I, I'm indoors. Yeah, uh, I'm indoors as well, um, as I'm sure a lot of people in the UK and, uh, in fact, the world, the world are indoors. Yes. Um, strange time, isn't it? Still, still strange. It was strange last last time, and it's it is still strange. It's weird, but we're getting through it. Uh, one week down of the UK's initial three weeks, which could go on for six months yeah. if you read the news, watch the news. Don't watch do the news. news. Just don't, don't even watch the news. Just listen to us. There's yeah. no need to watch the news. It's really doomy at the moment. Um, I, I they did an interview with a guy on the news today, and he's in this like makeshift hospital they've built in a huge factory, um, which is great that we're putting that effort in. But at the same time, I don't need to see that. I don't want to see it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm not being more. I'm not being like. I'm not trying to poo-poo the effort of this of the whole world in trying to tackle the coronavirus. But what I am saying is. Like in the, they showed some footage of New York the other night, and they were showing you all of these freezer trucks that are going to be used for, yeah. uh, as body as body bag uh, trucks. And I'm thinking, come on, I don't want to look at that on the on the news. Just give me some optimism. So I've been lo- local news has been better. Yes, definitely. And it, even weirdly, I don't normally watch it, but I've been strangely addicted to the one show. <laughs> And that's actually been quite I don't think positive. I've ever watched it. <laughs> it's not normally worth it, but they're doing lots of little bits where people are sending in videos of stuff that they've been doing during yeah, okay. the lockdown, which is quite cool. Um, my sister sent yeah. me a link to a video of a crow that has developed a Yorkshire accent. <laughs> You've got to watch that now. In fact, I'm going to stop recording, sack this episode off and go and watch a crow talking. Oh, that's um, amazing. So yeah, apparently crows are, are very similar to parrots. They they can learn accents or mimic people. Um, they are clever, yeah, I knew that. They knew they were great ravens and stuff are really clever, aren't they? Yeah. Um, so, so what's I mean, this episode it, it, about, Jake? <laughs> this episode is our Do the Franchise review of... What may or may not be Superman 3 slash Superman 5 slash a reboot slash sequel. I, what is this film? I don't know. It's Superman Returns, um, the 2006 film uh, which was directed by Brian Singer. You guys might know him better as the director of X-Men and the director of Usual Suspects and Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, all good films. Yeah. Can't say the same for this, James. Uh, <laughs> no. No, I think my my memory of this film was kinder to it than it should have been. <laughs> I yeah. definitely remember liking bits of this film more than I probably did this time around. It's not terrible, it's just not impressive enough. No, I mean, the, um, my my biggest criticism all the way through is that not a lot happens. <laughs> Nothing yeah. much happens in this film. And it's quite slow about telling you that not a lot's happened. It is. And did you notice the runtime? Have I told you the runtime? No, no. 
This film is just shy of three hours long. That's why it it's felt two like hours it's and fifty. Yeah, it's two hours fifty runtime. Wow, it's very long. Um, it long. could easily have had an hour cut out of it. I think an hour of cut out of it and maybe a better third act would have rescued this film because it builds really well. Yeah, I see. I didn't mind the pacing of it. Uh, mm. To your point, okay, I quite liked the pacing. I I didn't find that the biggest issue with it. Um, Brian Singer uh, famously directed X Men One and Two before, so he was already in the sort of comic book uh, movie world before it was before it was popular. Yeah. Um, Singer passed on directing X Men Three um, with uh, Marvel and um, 20th Century Fox to do this movie, um, which I think says a lot about both franchises. You know, it. <sighs> It's interesting to see when we probably do X-Men at some point where X-Men 2 ends and X-Men 3 begins. This is kind of 20 or 30 years since Donna and now we're doing a sequel directed by Brian Singer which is kind of in the same world. Well, it's supposed to be the same universe but it feels very different because it's too modern. Yeah, yeah, because it's supposedly five years after Superman's disappeared. Yeah. And if that is... Five years after when Superman two set, it's definitely not the right timeline. It's yeah, it just so doesn't weird. work. No, it's it it doesn't work. It, it's uh, the really weird, and I think it's coincidental fact is at the end of Quest for Peace, mm. Superman says to Lex, "I'll see you in 20. This film was filmed exactly twenty years after Quest for Peace. That's amazing. Yeah. I didn't know that. I, I, That's a great fact. <laughs> so, uh, it, obviously, it doesn't take into account any of the uh, the other films. Um, weirdly, yeah. it does take into account the film we've not done in this kind of franchise, which is Supergirl 1984. Because in that How film, so? Superman has left to go and explore the galaxy. So, technically, this is after that. Oh, so that kind of makes that canon then, really? Kind of, in the, yeah. In, the, be- in it, the best sense of the word. Yeah, I mean, in, in the old, uh, yeah, in the only way that film could be canon because Superman's only <laughs> appearance in that film is in a, a poster <laughs> that I think is a film poster that they've just cut a bit of the tagline out of. But you yeah. think they'd learn, wouldn't you? But they're directing films like Venom and Morbius. But yeah. you think they'd learn about that? Um, Superman Returns, uh, two thousand six, was given six out of ten on IMDb. Uh, not great. Seventy-five percent by Rotten Tomatoes, seventy-two percent by Metacritic. I probably say it is up within probably sixty-five percent for me. Maybe I'd probably agree with six out of ten. Would you? Yeah, I think so. I think there are there are bits that were really really good, and there are yeah. bits that just didn't hit the way they should do. Um, totally. Uh, I I think. The only the, the only saving grace for this film for me is the cast. Yeah, and not, I'd agree with that. Not in not all of them either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's so, the first Superman film I think that starts with a prologue as well, right? It kind of backdates Superman by saying he disappeared. He doesn't actually disappear at the end of Superman two, which is really funny because you said um, he says at the end of Superman two, "I'm not going anywhere." And yet he disappears. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it just disappears for thirty odd years. Yeah. yeah, it's it's weird. It, uh, I, I guess it, it's it's cool that you get to hear a bit of um, Jor El. They yeah. they don't let him say Krypton. 
in this. No, they really didn't, did they? I noticed that as well. They show you quite a bit of Jor-El in this film. Yeah. But he doesn't mention Krypton at any point. They kind of went, we're going to have to get rid of that bit. So, yeah, so I thought that was quite clever of them. Uh, it's good that he's in there as well. Yeah, do you know what? I thought the opening prologue and the um, seeing Krypton explode <clears throat> into the Superman titles, I thought it was really powerful. I, th- I thought that, re- like I watched it on my projector at home with the sound bar turned up pretty high. Um, it's really epic beginning to a movie, which promises so much of, oh, do you remember those Donner films that you really loved? Yeah. Well, this is going to be a big, big tribute to Donner, and we're going to also scrap three and four because how good this film's going to be it felt like it had that kind of promise about it you know yeah you know it it feels like a superman film Mm. in in the same way that quest of peace feels like a superman film as well but isn't necessarily a great film uh it, it does feel like a superman film that opening that intro um you get the impression that it the unlike the films that uh the sulkins really ruined (laughs) towards the end yeah. you get yeah, the impression yeah, totally. that these the people behind this film love the superman that donna created that you know they really respected christopher reeve uh, apparently mm. christopher reeve was gonna uh, cameo in the film yeah uh, but he was di- he still he, with was he gonna say he wasn't with us no then, was he, he died he died but the plan originally was to have him in the film so instead the film's dedicated to him which is i nice. think it's a really great tribute because i think brendan ralph plays the character really well i think that 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 casting of brandon routh really did it it really made the film feel like it was meant do you know what i mean like he really did fit those boots in the both physical and and metaphorical sense of the word absolutely there's Um, there's bits where he looks great doesn't he he looks great there's bits where he sounds like christopher reeve as well (laughs) yeah i thought this when he says lois i know it's only a little thing but every time he says lois it sounds like it's christopher reeve yeah, you see, I wasn't. Lois. I was going to ask you this. I wasn't sure if that wasn't Christopher Reeve at one point. Now, are we entirely sure that wasn't dubbed? Because there's bits in it where he does the little cheeky mouth expression that Reeve did. Yeah, and he says things like, um, you know, like, um, "I hope this experience doesn't put you off flying, Miss Lane." And you're like, "Oh my god, it sounds like him." Yeah, it, you it's... couldn't even discern between the two if you listened to them without the video, without the visuals. I think if I hadn't seen what happened last year where Brandon Routh got to play Superman again, mm. I would have almost believed that that was dubbed. But seeing yeah. him in like a TV special, basically, being Superman again, he, yeah. he has that voice, he has that mannerism. And you, you read interviews with other cast members from the Arrowverse that acted alongside him or that just saw him on set. And they all said, he's just got that air about him. He's got that presence um yeah when you look at him you go yeah that's that's superman that's and i think that's really really amazing that they found someone like that um another bit of trivia that i was reading up Mm. on uh when brandon was going for the interview uh they met up in a coffee shop and he Mm -hmm. he spilt coffee over the table that he and brian singer were on and he thought he'd messed up basically thought he hadn't got the gig and apparently that was when Singer decided he would hire him. Because he looked like Clark. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was quite cool. Yeah, I really like that. And I like his Clark as well. Yeah. There's a moment which we'll probably talk about later, but like, there's a bit where he does a little turn to camera yes. um, when Lois <laughs> comes down from the elevator. And 
that moment I just smiled in my own little room that I was sat in because I thought that is a real Clark Kent, Christopher Reeve moment on screen in a modern film. It was really lovely to see that little, like just these expressions are great. Yeah. Um, it is probably worth saying as well that like Christopher Reeve is the Superman. He is Superman. There isn't anyone that'll ever replace Christopher Reeve. No. Um, the tragic way that he... Because he, did he have a horse accident, wasn't yeah. it? It was an accident on a horse. Yeah. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know this, it's probably worth going and reading about it, whether than me and, you know, other than me and James talking about it, but he had a terrible accident, which made him paraplegic, didn't it, I think? Yeah. Um, and then his health deteriorated from there until his uh, untimely death. Um, but I... I God, it's such a shame, because he's just such a wonderful presence. And I did feel like this film in a really lovely way was sort of dedicated to him more than it was dedicated to the Donna films or for the fans it wasn't really a catered film it felt like a tribute movie it it did and it's I think in some ways obviously they never made a sequel but I think that might have been part of it like it was it wasn't a super successful film when it came out looking at some of the the figures like I, I don't know if you've looked at the budget for the film versus what it made uh, yes, it, I think it only made two hundred and four million. Um, budget was nearly four hundred million. Yeah, so, so it lost money. It lost a lot of money, and um, apparently, uh, from like reading news sources recently, uh, Brandon Routh had basically like PTSD afterwards because he he thought he'd messed up so badly, and he oh. he, ne- he never got chance to do what he wanted to do with the character, never got chance to say goodbye to it. Um, and then he got that chance to to relive the character again in yeah. in the Arrowverse. And I, th- I think it's really cool that uh, even though the film itself wasn't that successful, where it it wanted to be as a film as a tribute yeah. to Christopher Reeve, it's just tone perfect. Every scene that he's in yeah. is incredible and so accurate to what you would imagine Christopher Reeve would do if he was filming it today. Um, they mm-hmm. they were both. Another bit of trivia: both the same age when they started their first Superman films. Superman films. Oh, they were both. 20- that's a great fact. Yeah, they were both twenty-six. Ah, oh, that's lovely. I mean, let's go on. I mean, yeah. talking about people who are doing impressions of people, James. Oh, Kevin Spacey is Lex Luthor. Yes, yes, that is that, just that opening scene where he practically <laughs> forces this old lady to sign away all all her wealth. And he gives Can the- I just say, I think that is my favourite scene in the whole movie. Oh, it's just brilliant because he uh, basically the, he convinces an old woman that he's changed his ways and he's going to be a good person. And because of that, uh, they they get married and he, she yeah. signs away all of her world all belongings. Her um, <laughs> <laughs> including a massive yacht and a mansion. <laughs> but she doesn't quite get to signing the paperwork, <laughs> so he just finishes it off for her. And then he takes off his wig that he's been wearing for some reason and gives yeah. it to a kid and says, the kid can keep that, but everything else is mine. Just... That is my it's my favourite scene in the whole film. I just thought it was... Because I, I know that we've got... And this is, a, and again, another issue where it's hard to talk about Kevin Spacey without talking about what happened to him. Yeah. Um, but we're going to leave that. I don't even want to talk about that. Yeah. Um, because way it, you know those accusations and everything that's happened to his career since, I it's just a, a stain on him. But yeah. as an actor, he is a superb actor. Um, and I just loved him in this film. And actually, when he wasn't on screen, I kind of missed him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, he's... It's weird because in this film they give Lex 
more henchmen than I think he's had in any of the other films. Yeah, too many, and they're all a bit tough and nasty, except but, for Cal Penn. <laughs> yeah, but this this version of Lex doesn't need that. I would have enjoyed seeing this continuation of Gene Hackman's Lex Luthor more than I would seeing any of the other henchmen. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I think he has. There's almost too many other little bits and pieces going on around Lex, and that's why you probably don't feel like you see a lot of him, even though the bad guys are on the screen quite a bit. Um, yeah, uh, and uh, uh, th- there's just so many scenes of him. In we'll probably go into more detail. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. That Very opening cool. scene starts with like thunder and lightning. It's really ominous, and then it becomes funny when Kevin Spacey takes off the wig and throws it to the child. And you're like, oh, it's Lex. Like it's obviously Lex. Yeah. There's a Miss. There's a Miss Tessmacher who isn't Miss Tessmacher. I think it's, it's her name Kitty. I think yeah. played by um, Parker Parker Posey. Um, I like the character, but I also kind of wished it had been Miss Tessmacher. Yeah, it's, and I think as well because of how she's sort of written out of the uh, previous films quite quickly hmm. and never, never referenced again. Uh, yeah. yeah, it would have been nice to include her. Um, which, yeah, that I think she's cast well because it is that same character. Basically, it's just yeah. a different. A different person. Uh, the uh, I, I like uh, I like Perry White. Yeah, it's um, Frank Langello, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah, appa- apparently he got um, given advice to tone it down so uh, it wouldn't be uh, compared to JJ in uh, in um, Spider Spider Man. So yeah, because uh, that film had obviously come out a few years earlier. Yeah, I'm sure we'll be doing those three movies at some point. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, <laughs> another bit of trivia. Yeah. Originally, uh, Hugh Laurie was cast, but House... Ah, that would have been good. Yeah, House became so successful that he couldn't yeah. break contract with them. Because I think Brian Singer's one of the producers of House. And Hugh Laurie looks a bit more like the um, uh, the chief... What's his name? Um, Perry White of the old uh, yeah. the old films. If you really think about the, the look of the character. Yeah, he's a bit more gaunt, isn't he? I, I think that would yeah. have been quite cool with his American accent that he does in House. Yeah. So, yeah, that, I That's thought that a great was a... fact again. <laughs> I'm full of them today. <laughs> yeah, you're going to kill my great facts for the, for the... I've got none now. Like, I think I've looked through a list, but I'm sure we'll come up with some more by the end of the episode. Yeah. Um, I create, there's a really beautiful thing that Singer does as a director, which again, I don't know if you noticed this, but like he's very good at the shot choices. And yes. in um, in the Smallville scene, which is the next scene in the film, he does lots of close-ups of like the radio, um, the dog, the Scrabble board, and and it's this building tension that something's coming, and obviously the house starts shaking. Yeah, and I just thought. In any other movie I've ever seen, whether it be comic book movies or horror movies, like you've got to have that that creative flair as a director to be able to choose the right appropriate shots. And there's a bit where the dog's obviously looking really on edge, and then all the plates start rattling and all the Scrabble tiles start moving across the Scrabble board. Yeah, and I love I love that. I just think that is a sign of a truly good director that can really choose shots that can build in suspense. Out of a scene which is really just there for exposition. It's not even a pointful scene in the movie. It's literally just to get Clark back on Earth. Yeah. It, it's, it, like you say, it's a little scene, but there's so much detail in there. And mm. even to the, the extent where they've, they've done a really good job of recreating, I don't know if it's exactly the same layout as the Kent farm in the others, but it's definitely the it's same It's pretty feel. good, isn't it? It's, it's yeah. awesome. It, it feels like it's the same sort of layout, but... 
And this made me think as well. I, I don't know if you saw that it, this comparison is that this film does feel like a complete mix of Superman 1 and 2 in terms of you've got the you've got the danger factor at the end but you've obviously got the opening scenes you've got Lex doing something um then you've got Clark arriving again on earth like he did in the first one yeah and then you've got a fortress of solitude scene which kind of builds the film so it's like it's like going back and going oh you like the Donna films well we're going to do the farm oh you like the Donna films yeah we're going to do the fortress again but it's going to be doing everything in a different way which yeah. I kind of appreciated I, I liked that having that we've been you know, being that we've watched them all uh, in order since we've been doing the podcast I've kind of got a better feel of how they all supposed you know I mean how they're all supposed to gel together and I, and I, yeah. I got it I think more than I did when I first watched this film 10 years ago yeah I think this film is like a, almost like a greatest hits isn't it yeah, it, it, and it is. It's it's done so well. I mean, the the Kryptonian um, uh, asteroid thing that lands is basically like the same as the ship that Clark came in. Uh, yeah, with the with the spiky ship, you know, made of crystals, uh, which I really liked. Um, yeah, and then Lex uh, goes off on the ship that he steals from the old woman to the the yacht. All the way to the Arctic, which I thought was really funny. Yeah. Um, and then they helicopter out to the Fortress of Solitude. Um, did you notice in the bit where Lex is on the on the yacht with Kitty that the pool table is um, in the middle of the room? And as Lex is talking about the gods, the balls on the pool table are going back and forth as the ship is rocking. Yeah. I thought that was such a great touch. It's, it's <laughs> something that a lot of films might miss out on, but it's a really cool little detail that yeah, I had to rewind it because I didn't know what I was listening. I could hear a noise. And I was like, what is the noise that he's putting on this film? And then you look closer and it's the pool table with the balls going back and forth along the table as the boat rocks. I just thought it was really clever. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they then, you get a bit of an idea of where Lex is coming from in terms of motivation again. Uh, and it's that age-old motivation, which is gods shouldn't be gods or if they're not going to share their power with me, I want my cut of the power as well. Yeah. Um, and then we get the restoration of Marlon Brando, which if you go on YouTube, is a really good documentary, I think from the making of this film, uh, which talks you through how they got Brando back into the film through uh, clever use of CGI and motion capture from the original footage. That's uh, and that's cool. how they got him. That's how they got him in the Fortress of Solitude on the old FaceTime crystal uh, call. Yeah. Which I thought was really cool. Did you want to say anything about that? No. I, I feel like I just talked a lot. No, no. That That's... <laughs> brilliant summary of it because i think the 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 marlon brando bit is just it, it it again it gets you in the feels doesn't it it makes you think that this is a, a continuation of that film that you yeah. loved so much so yeah i, I liked that um, we then get to see um, Brandon Routh back on the farm, but he sort of like shows off his Clark Kent, and you get to see him as a kid running like he did in Superman One. Yeah, uh, which I thought was a nice, a nice touch. Yeah, definitely. And the that that scene, I think it because up until this point, the film's been quite somber. Yeah, you know, the, the the only sort of light points really have been Lex. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's quite nice to get that sort of joyous feeling that Clark had when he's discovered he can do all these things. It's really, really good. I liked it when he goes back to Metropolis because uh, my wife Natalie said, 
oh, right, so he's been gone for like five years, but Perry still gives him his job back straight away. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think there is a joke in there that Perry says, don't thank me, thank the guy that died or something. Yeah, yeah, apparently someone died so Clark can get his job back. Um, Yeah, because obviously he wouldn't just be able to walk back into a high-profile journalism job in the central metropolis. (laughs) No, I mean, to be fair, he just walked into that job with zero qualifications, but... (laughs) (laughs) One thing I didn't understand is why does Clark take all his suitcases to the Daily Planet. I think it's because he hasn't... He says he's not got anywhere to live yet. <laughs> oh, is that what it was? So, yeah, he's, he's not got anywhere to live yet. Um, but I do love that, yet again, the Daily Planet seems to have had a massive upgrade. <laughs> each <laughs> each of the Donna better. films, it seems to look better and better, and this, it looks even better still. Well, James, we're on a $395 million budget now. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's happened since these films came out. Um, yeah, I like I like the um, I like the guy they got to play J- Jimmy. So Jimmy's back in it again. Yeah, um, always happy to see Jimmy as we're big Jimmy fans. Definitely. Uh, and then Frank Langella is obviously introduced as Perry. Really cool. I like him a lot in this film. Uh, and then Lex and crew go back to the mansion for some reason. Is it's for the train set? Um, yeah. And one of the chihuahuas is eating the other chihuahua. <laughs> <laughs> That's just great, isn't it? <laughs> I love Pom- Pomeranian, sorry, Pomeranian yeah. dog. Well, there are two of them. <laughs> I think is the line. It's <laughs> just the, one of them that are covered in fur and blood and, bo- and gnawing on a bone. <laughs> such a good moment yeah again <laughs> Lex again. has some of the best moments in his crew that have some of the best yeah. moments in this film uh, they... I think he's the best thing about the film I'm going to put it out there I think the Lex um, and Kitty and the henchmen I think that's my best my favourite bit of the film oh yeah because they, they have so many cool lines and I'm, I'm guessing because obviously of his star power they wanted to give Kevin Spacey those but. Yeah, and I'm guessing this is now implied that Lex has learned the knowledge from the Fortress of Solitude that Superman once learned. Yeah. Um, he has then stolen all the crystals and taken them back to Metropolis. And they chip a tiny piece of the crystal off, um, and it makes a huge EMP that knocks out the entire eastern seaboard of America, including aeroplanes, which I don't understand. Mm-hmm. And then it, um, it grows in the pool of water that they've got and it becomes a huge crystal island type yeah. thing again is that accurate that's that's accurate and the only thing you missed out was the cool lex moment when he suddenly realizes that things are going to go slightly wrong or he's worried <laughs> and he just backs away from his henchmen as the lights go out yeah <laughs> <laughs> i like that i thought that was just great i thought the, the the way the train sequence in the little miniature train set was executed is really clever yeah. as well like how they've got all the audio of the people screaming when things are happening and stuff i just thought that was brilliant it was really good um, there's a little um a tiny little easter egg in there as well uh there's a little smallville sign on the uh, train set there? yeah <laughs> if you go back and watch it again there's a little smallville sign on the train set i'm not gonna be watching it again james <laughs> <laughs> okay, audience, audience, watch it and then tweet us and tell us that you saw it so Jake will believe yeah, me. Yeah, somebody tweet me and tell me that they saw it. That'll be fine. Uh, this is like that bit where me and you went back into the Harry Potter and Goblet of Fire to try and find the bit with the two elves on the back of the llama. <laughs> Do you remember? Yes. <laughs> and I bloody found it as well. Yeah, I mean, it probably wasn't worth it, but we did it. Um, and then there's the shot. Uh, yeah, so then there's the plane goes down because of the uh, loads of things go wrong. Basically, everything that could go wrong with the shuttle on top of the plane yeah. goes wrong in a sort of five minute sequence. 
And it is then probably one of the best sequences in the movie in terms of action, because there's not a lot of action in this film. No. It's fair to say. Um, and then Superman has to come and save Lois again. Yeah, I, and, and I, a, I quite like this scene as well, because it sort of shows he's a bit out of you know practice. Yeah. Because <laughs> he, yeah. he's not that good at first at saving this plane. In fact, he rips one of the wings off. <laughs> yeah, by accident. And he takes the shuttle up, but forgets about the aeroplane and has to zoom back down to get it. Yeah. Um, I like the bit where Lois is kind of trying to grab onto a handle or something. And she looks out the window and you just see him dart past the window really quick. Yeah. And it's a really cool little shot where you're like, oh, she's seen him. Or I think she's seen him. Has she seen him? We don't know. Uh, and they do that again later where Jimmy gives a photo to uh, Perry and they all go, look, Chief, it's there. What is it? It's a bird. It's a plane. And then Clark just walks in and goes, you wanted to see me? Yeah. That, oh, it's, it's such a good moment. So many cool moments. And I, I like this bit because he does eventually save the plane. Uh, yeah. And when he is just about stopping the plane from hitting the ground. There's a really cool CGI bit where the sides of the plane buckle and ripple. Yeah, I saw that bit, yeah. I thought, that is... Again, it's it's one of those little things where in some <coughs> of the superhero films, when they catch things, they just catch them and they stop. Yeah. Or, like, if they... Uh, you, you sometimes see it where people uh, will stop a bus or a train that's about to hit somebody, and the, the centre bit where the driver is buckles in, but... Nothing yeah. else happens to the rear of the train. And this was really cool because it, it sort of paid attention to the fact that whatever he's doing will affect the whole plane. Of course, yeah, yeah. Um, physics, isn't it? Yeah, and then there's that cool iconic bit where he says, you know, statistically, flying's still the safest form of travel. <laughs> and yeah. it's brilliant. To- totally it's exactly Superman. what Christopher Reeve says to um, he says to Lois in Superman One, I think, yeah. when she's in the helicopter crash, and he does it in the uh, subway tunnels of Milton Keynes as well. He, he tells yes, people he does. that uh, riding the subway is is statistically the <laughs> safest form of travel in Milton Keynes. <laughs> <laughs> I like that there's just a huge aircraft now stuck in a baseball stadium in Metropolis. That's really good, and, and they actually um, reference that as well because Perry asks his news team. You know, yeah. when he's saying what what things they should cover and what questions they should ask, he says, "And how are they getting rid of the plane?" <laughs> <laughs> so I love that yeah. the film I... is aware of how ridiculous it is that the plane's just left in the baseball stadium. I like that Perry's literally dropped everything the paper's currently working on, whether it be you know shares, stocks, travel. Um, viruses in the case of what's happening in England now. Yeah. All these things that you can think of that happen. And he's just gone, we don't care about any of that. Superman's back. We're going to cover it. What's he been up to? What's he been eating? They're like, yeah. oh, brilliant. That's so good. It's such a good scene. It is. It, it's, it's, it's just like the, the world has, has come to a standstill because he's back. And, yeah. uh, and Lois is really uninterested because she's more concerned about the power outage, which technically is the actual threat <laughs> so yeah because something blew out all the power yeah um why clark mopes a lot for the next half an hour of this film and i'm guessing it's because lois has moved on but clark wipes lois's brain so what's he expect she's gonna do now that she doesn't fancy him anymore yeah although she still technically fancies superman doesn't she because J- jimmy says yeah. oh, i think she's still got something for you know who and yeah i i don't I don't fully get it, and like no, um, he's been gone for five years. Hmm. Was she already with James Marsden? 
before well, he I was left. wondering this because their child's at least five or six, right? Yeah, and obviously um, it's heavily inferred, well, uh, at least at the beginning, that this kid has something different and he can see something about Clark and Clark sees something about him. Yes, so, they're Kryptonian. Yeah, so, spoilers. <laughs> so Lois must know, <laughs> Lois must know that there's a good chance it's probably Superman's kid. But when did they have sex? <laughs> um, I just, mm, this is this is the where the timeline kind of breaks down again. Maybe it was sometime in that five to thirty year gap that is so indeterminate how long he's actually been away for. I mean, I know he's Superman, James, but does he have super sperm? Is he super like how long has he? I just there's so many biological questions I have here. Uh, let, let, um, let's just accept and- that the kid throws a piano. Uh, and and that's it. <laughs> that's the only thing that's inferred, though. It, that kind of is it. And there's a bit where Lex holds the uh, kryptonite in front of him. Yeah. And he he starts gasping. Um, we then have a scene where Clark starts following Lois, which I thought was a bit creepy. He's a bit of a stalker. Yeah. Yeah. He just goes to check that she is happily you know engaged because she's not married. She's engaged, so she's happily engaged. Mm. And uh, and the kid's happy. Everyone's happy. It's a happy household, and Clark still doesn't know anywhere to live. Uh, so he's just sat, sat in a tree, I think, or hovering by a tree. Uh, Do you know what I thought was really shit? Is what? that Lois has got this, like, ten-bedroom house on the front of the sea uh, and the Metropolis Bay. Yeah. Uh, clearly not short of a bob or two. Richard's got his own plane and his his uncle owns the newspaper. Yeah. So these, these people are not... They're not poor. No. Um, Clark doesn't have anywhere to live. Yeah. <laughs> and Lois has known Clark for, again, like, 10, 15, 20 years. <laughs> Could she not have maybe just said to Clark... Do you want to stay at my massive house for as long as you need while you get back on your... No, 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 no never mind. This is something oh, else I... He's such a dick. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand, because this version of Lois has supposedly won a Pulitzer Prize. Yeah, she still doesn't know how to spell. Need Superman. Because she's asking how to, how to spell things at the Daily Planet still. <laughs> how has this woman who can't spell words won a Pulitzer? Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, we then get this amazing bank robbery scene where the bank robbers have got military grade weapons. Yeah. <laughs> it's never really explained why. No. Um, and it's a big thing. It's a big minigun, which if you've never seen a minigun, Google them. They're really big. They take a lot of effort to set up. Um, I think because of how powerful they are, they have to be mounted on something or attached down to something. So they yeah. have to be like, bolted into the floor. Um, or they'll be attached to tanks and things. You know, they're big pieces of apparatus. Yeah. Uh, and they're industrial, you know, they're military. They can shoot down aircraft. Uh, that's what they're for. Yeah. And this guy has got one robbing the local NatWest. Because, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's really determined to get away. And it seems like, because they have a, a helicopter on top of the roof. This roof must be massive because they have a helicopter. Yeah. They have a metal arm with this minigun thing attached to it. But yep. those two things don't seem to be attached to one another, which no, it would make more sense to me that it was on the helicopter, but yeah. apparently it's not. So he's he, he fires this at the police, and it's really effective. Uh, it mm-hmm. it very much destroys all their cars. Um, <laughs> Superman then lands because 
he's about to fire this minigun at the two renter cops that walk up the stairs. <laughs> yeah, who sent them up? <laughs> and uh, obviously Superman blocks it. This guy basically un- unloads his entire collection of bullets into Superman from this minigun. That, yeah. And that has zero effect on him. So he pulls out the smallest pistol I think you could ever imagine and tries shooting him in the head. And it, yep. it does have that really cool moment where the bullet hits Superman's eye and you see the bullet sort of collapsing on itself. And that's quite cool. I really like that bit. Yeah. I think that really works. But it just seems like the... <laughs> the, the whole idea of pulling out that tiny gun... Uh, yeah, <laughs> I just don't. I, there's a there's a scene in the Supergirl TV series with their version of Superman, not Brandon Routh, but the uh, Tyler yeah, yeah. Tyler Hoechlin, I think his name is. Um, right. And there there's a scene where they they stop a, a robbery. The robber does a similar thing. He unloads a gun into Superman with zero effect, and then tries to punch him. <laughs> and Tyler Hoechlin's character says, "If the guns didn't work." Why the punching? <laughs> As he takes yeah. him out, it's just like I love that there, there's little references, and I'm guessing it's a reference to things like this where people yeah. try really stupid things in the hope that it'll finally get <laughs> one over on Superman, who's obviously impervious to the minigun. But you know, I'll yeah, just the, try. The bullet's gonna be yeah. I'll just try shooting him straight in the face. Um, I like. Then Lex breaks into another museum, like he does in all the films. Yeah. Uh, he's looking for a meteorite. I thought this was really clever. If when he gets the kryptonite meteorite from the museum, uh, it does say on the little card found in Adasabna. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which was where Otis got the original one from. Yes, uh, in Superman One, I think. It, yeah, that that's a really cool little reference, isn't it? I think it's yeah. one you'd only get if you've done what we've done and watched the films back to back. I don't think yeah. people at the cinema would have seen that and gone, "Oh, that's that." Yeah, I only caught it really quickly and had to kind of pause it to read it. Um, but I thought it was really nice. Uh, there's some really cool practical effects um, backgrounds when you can see that cause Clark and Lois go for a little flight um, after their interview. Um, that was cool. And you can tell that, that that was completely done as a tribute to the originals. With, yeah. Uh, it's very much rotoscoping those two actors into an environment on wires and they've green screen behind them. And I think it looks better than when he CGI Superman. I don't like the CGI Brandon Ralph. I think it, it we're, we're too early in 2006 yeah. for a full CGI Superman to look convincing. And I said this in a nice way because obviously 10, 12 years, 15 years later, they're going to do... Um, Batman versus Superman and Justice League, in which he has a weird face that's got a CGI mustache that's been removed. Yeah, it's yeah. <sighs> the 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 challenge of doing a full sort of photorealistic person in two thousand six, probably a bit more than the uh, CGI guys could manage. Um, it's not terrible. It's no. just not great. I, I did, you know, when it's distance shots, when he's flying away from the camera, it looks fine. Yeah, but, it, but there are scenes where he flies straight past the camera, and you go, ooh. Ooh. Yeah, um, you can see the the almost porcelain or you know yeah. the 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 uh, plasticine looking face yeah. that he has when he goes past camera, and it's really hard to get that right. Obviously, so many films have done it, and I think things like Lord of the Rings um, and Disney uh, Pirates of the Caribbean they did all right with their CGI characters because they were they were less than human. They had human features, yeah. but they weren't human. They were they were you know hybrid. Yeah, I think um, the there's a YouTube uh, channel, the Corridor Crew. They do sort of mm-hmm. reviews of CGI and stuff like that. Yeah, I've and, seen them, and they yeah. they talk about 
uh, doing the the human face and the way you make it look more realistic is modern CGI characters now have uh, virtual pores, so the pores mm-hmm. on the skin actually move, and that's mad. And ca- uh, and they have like transparencies where light can shine through their ears and things like that, like real people. Uh, yeah. So it, it's stuff like that that they just obviously couldn't do at the time. Yeah. But like you say, serviceable. Um, obviously needed for scenes where he's flying further away than you could probably make wires work work properly. Yeah. Um, there's a nice there's a nice bit here as well where he blows out the um, lighter that Lois is trying to light up a cigarette, and I thought yeah. that was kind of a, a cute moment. Yeah. Um, that's that's that, very sort of Christopher Reeve Superman. I like that. Yeah. And he does the line like he says in Superman one and two. You really shouldn't smoke in this lane. Which I just thought was really funny. Um, again, it's hard to discern whether or not it is just a remake or a sequel or what this film is. It, it, yeah. it kind of feels like you said. It feels like your greatest hits version of Donna. Yeah, yeah. And then <clears throat> um, after this bit comes your favorite bit of Clark turning to the camera because uh, yeah. James Marsden accuses, <laughs> accuses Lois Lane of smoking. <laughs> yeah, and then and then Clark's kind of eating some noodles and he just turns around and gives her a really funny eye and like, oh, I've been here the whole time eating Chinese food. It's like, no, oh, you were up on the roof a second ago. <laughs> um, that really worked. I thought that was really clever. Um, and then these, there's the bit where... Um, yeah, so there's a bit where Lois then goes to investigate the blackout, ends up at the yacht. Yeah. Um, to ask the owner of the yacht if anyone's been or gone, yeah. finds all the wigs, uh, <laughs> and then a wonderful moment where Lex comes out the shower with a toothbrush in his mouth, um, and then after this, for some reason, spills the entire third act of the film. Um, he spills the entire third act of the film to um, to Lois for no reason whatsoever, other than plot. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh gosh, we must have a plot soon because up until now, that the plot has been. Lex funny, Superman sad, Lois yeah. bad mum, because she takes a kid onto this random person's yard. I know, <laughs> and then he's in danger. <laughs> I just like I, she's bad enough because she she leaves him at school way after she was meant to pick him up, and then yeah. she's <clears throat> supposedly already uh, at this point. Perry uh, Perry's told her she's late for her Pulitzer award. Ceremony. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming it's that. It seems weird because I thought she already had the Pulitzer Prize. Yeah, she, seems to she be did going say to that award ceremony to celebrate it. I guess I don't know. So she's already late for that. She's <laughs> dressed up to go to the award party ceremony thing. Yeah, but then she has enough time to go and pick up a kid that she forgot about, and, <laughs> and then take said kid to a random person's mansion, and then jump out of the car and jump on that random person's yacht yeah private yacht yeah I just like go to your party you've you've done a lot of work go to your party you've earned it no she just goes (laughs) on random person's yacht I don't understand no I didn't understand but it's really funny um there's a really cool bit where um Lois says to Lex uh, he's like I'm growing an island and she's like why? <laughs> and then he just kind of looks at the map and I was wondering what he's going to say. And it's just another real estate scheme yeah. where he's, he's going to grow an island. Um, it's going to be beachfront property. I think at this point, even my missus who was in the room at the time just went <laughs> and just laughed. Yeah, <laughs> Like, that's the worst villain plot ever, but it's so Lex. I love that this time around, though, that 
they're going to sink the other side of America. It's always California in the Don yeah. ones, but this time it's New York that's going to get it first. Um, yeah, he's going to sink the eastern seaboard yeah. because the kryptonite, um, mon- what's it called, the kryptonite island is going to take over the space. Yeah, and uh, oh. <laughs> I think my favourite bit of this scene is when Lois says millions of people could die and he corrects and says, no, billions, <laughs> like he's really offended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then there's the really stupid henchman with a really weird face tattoo on his head. Yeah. I didn't understand what that was about. Um, um, I, I still I can, don't. I can fill you in on that. Oh, please do. Uh, there was a serial killer in America called Wayne Gacy, who, um, in his spare time, was a clown and entertainer. Oh, yeah, I know about this guy. This is what the Joker is inspired by. Kind of, yeah. Is he, it not? He was, he was a clown uh, that would entertain at children's parties, but he also had a house full of dead bodies. Right. Re- nice. So that is the face paint that he used to wear. Oh, okay. I that didn't tattoo. know that. That yeah. is interesting. So it's kind of like it's a Joker reference. I think there's another Joker reference really early on in the film um, about a clown. Um, huh. In uh, I forget where... It, I think it was uh, Perry asking someone about <coughs> a, a clown incident really early on, I think when Clark first walks into the Daily Planet. Oh, okay. So, they, they do make some slight little that. Joker references, but yeah, that's... Um, Wayne, I think his surname. Uh, I think his, his surname is definitely Gacy. I think his first name's Wayne. Yeah, uh, I like the bit where the kid throws the piano onto the henchman, um, uh, and then and then when he get locked in the uh, fridge, she's like, "Can you help mommy open the door?" And he's like, mm. <laughs> yeah, he's like "I did the piano, mum. I'm quite tired." <laughs> yeah. he's like, no, I'm not. I'm not going to do any more. Um, and I do like. That they sort of tease that he will do it eventually. Then his dad just opens the door for him. Yeah, it's really funny. And then, and then the, um, and then there's the bit obviously where the plot happens. Um, Lex puts the kryptonite and the crystal together. Yes, and bl- throws them into the ocean, and they then begin growing into a what looks like the giant's causeway from Northern Ireland. Yeah, yeah, they just sort of grow this. <laughs> kryptonite-infused giant's causeway. Uh, it sort of causes a crack in the ground that Superman notices is on his way over there. Um, yeah. And I guess you could say because Superman's so cool, it doesn't it doesn't really do all that much damage. It knocks the globe off the Daily Planet. It, yeah, and then he has to go back and sort of like stop the gas leaks and all that kind of yeah. stuff, doesn't he? Uh, he? He does use his laser vision in a really cool way to melt the glass bits that are falling from windows so they don't actually hurt people. But... Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I part, remember that. Part bit. of me thinks that molten glass is probably more painful than real, you know, just <laughs> on its own glass. I don't know. But he, he saves he saves the day. People are, are really happy about it. And then he suddenly remembers that, you know, there's a issue with Lex and a new landmass <laughs> that's appeared. Off the so news. funny. So he flies back to confront uh, Lex and saves, saves the day, doesn't he? Because he he rescues Lois from the boat. Yeah, he gets the Titanic boat out of the sea. Um, <clears throat> and then you see Lex in his long white coat, which I think is a really iconic moment yeah. when he's surrounded by all the uh, the crystals and all of the, the alien the sort of landscapes that he's built. Yeah. <clears throat> and then he does that moment where Superman goes up the stairs to confront him. And just cinematically, that is a beautiful scene. Yeah. Um, and then obviously he's he's on kryptonite, so he doesn't have his powers. He doesn't realize until 
Lex punches him and he goes down the stairs. Yeah. And I love how and I, really I love how they show that Lex knows he doesn't have his powers by showing that Superman's sweating. Yeah. I thought that's really cool, it's, isn't it? It's, it's it's yeah, it's really well done. I think that might be the best bit in the film actually. Yeah. Uh, and then Superman gets really badly beaten up for a 12A certificate. Yes. <laughs> Um, and then there's something very Christ-like where he is impaled by the spear of kryptonite. Yeah. He is then thrown into the ocean to then come out of the ocean and be rescued for then to fly back to the... Mo- and this, again, for anyone listening, this is the this is the climax. He, he literally doesn't fight Lex. He doesn't battle. He just flies into the big crystal island yeah and then lifts it out of the ocean in a feat of strength i don't know how he does this though because he it's made of kryptonite so how does this not i don't really understand how this works i i don't quite get it either my (coughs) only way of explaining it is there's probably a lot of dirt between him and the kryptonite initially and then as he's lifting it he sort of gets closer and closer to the kryptonite so i can't explain that away but initially i imagine he's dug so far underneath the landmass that he's not actually yeah. lifting kryptonite at the beginning. But it yeah, does show him right next to kryptonite by the end of it, which I don't get. And then he throws it into outer space. Yeah. Um, uh, Lex which has for someone annoying, it'll just fly towards another planet and probably kill someone else. Yeah, it's not, not really <laughs> thoughtful. Uh, Lex has escaped, though, by this point, because he, he gets in his helicopter. Uh, the henchmen, not so lucky. <laughs> they are. They clearly went to the Prometheus school of running away from things. Indeed. <laughs> it's just, they, they run straight forward from this big slab of the landmass that just lands on them. And I do like the fact that Lex and not Miss Tesmacher, turn and look at them as it, as it lands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Say, why, why didn't you move to the what? side? Um, yeah, run that way. Run run left and right. No, oh, never mind. Miss Tesmacher um, tips out all the crystals from her lap. Cause the she, helicopter. Yeah, they're in the helicopter. Uh, Kevin Spacey gives her the crystals um, and she tips them out of the door. And I, j- I don't understand this either. Why why don't those crystals then make more landmasses? I don't think they fall into the sea. Do they? they get they get sort of taken into space, uh-huh. I presume, and thrown away. Yeah, potentially so. That was my thinking. Yeah. But you're right. If all those crystals just fell into the ocean, would they not just become more islands? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also, did did you know? Did FaceTime Brando tell? Um, Christopher Reeve don't ever put the crystals into the sea because they'll just grow and grow and grow and grow until they kill everybody this this is the other thing that I have an issue with with this film it's paid so much close attention to everything in those initial films yeah except the fact that the (coughs) thing that built the Fortress of Solitude was the green crystal yeah not the uh, clear crystals the clear crystals are the FaceTime crystals yeah, the clear crystals are the ones that have the data on them, yeah. right? Am I right? Yeah. This sounds, honestly, if I listen to this later, this sounds utterly ridiculous. Um, <laughs> the clear crystals have data on them. <laughs> but the green crystals that may or may not be kryptonite, are uh, they glow, yeah. and then you can put them into the ground and they'll become Fortress fortresses of solitude. of solitude. Yeah, so that, okay. that I didn't get, but whatever. No. It, was the, it was the somewhat plot of the film. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. wasn't really much of a plot to the film. Um, <laughs> and should this film have ended with the death of Superman, though? This is what I wanted to know, because there's a bit where they very much hint upon the fact that he is dead. He dies saving the day. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, it, and a doctor tries to inject him with like adrenaline, and he can't get the needle into him. I thought that was really good. Yeah, that was cool. Um, he's still got kryptonite in him. When he gets to the hospital, they're digging it out of him. It, it yeah. does seem to indicate that he's on the way out. He he never actually. I can't work out whether he actually dies in the film because he always seems to have some sort of heartbeat, even though it's very very yeah, old, it's slow. A, it's a low heartbeat. Isn't um, it? Yeah. They they do the, the 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 daft thing where you know Lois goes to see him gives him a kiss, tells him that the kid's his. Uh, then the kid, just before the leave, runs and gives him a kiss. And you expect that there's going to be that dramatic scene where he wakes up. And you don't even get that. <laughs> yeah. you, just, you just get yeah. later on, <laughs> a really unobservant nurse walks into the room and doesn't actually notice that he's not there until she directly looks at the bed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, you, so funny. You would notice as soon as you opened the door that there was a Superman there. He's not there anymore. There's no Superman also, in the bed. Also, does Lois not recognise him as Clark when she goes into the hospital? Because he hasn't got his spandex on. Yeah. And he, he just looks like Clark. Yeah. I, I, I do like that they, uh, earlier in the film, her and James Marsden joke about how tall do you think Clark is? You know? Yeah, he's good, isn't it? <laughs> I thought that was fun. Because they just laugh it off as ridiculous. Um, yeah. Superman's back in action though uh, before the end of yeah he's fine he's fine uh, Lex is on a very small island after making a big island yeah he ends up on a really small one which I really enjoy he's just throwing coconuts at the sea uh, <laughs> <laughs> so he's, he's not happy he he claims that he'd trade uh, every ounce of not Miss Tessmacher's blood for a, <laughs> a small portion of oil or petrol to fly Gas. away Gas. Yeah, yeah, it's so funny. It, I I think if Kevin Spacey were more in this film, like it was more of him, it would have been a better film. I think also they needed more of his interaction with Clark because let's be honest, I know he hasn't had a lot in the movies, um, but because this was an opportunity to make up for the as a third film, yeah. I think you could have had more Lex, more Clark, more Superman. Yeah. And there's only the one scene where he basically tries to kill him with the kryptonite and then throws him off the off the island, and then that's it. They don't ever see each other before that or ever after. Yeah, it's such a long time in the film before the two actually meet up. Yeah, uh, it- and that, I don't think that's very good, if I'm honest. I think in a, in a film that's got a central villain, a central hero, yeah. like these films, these films obviously are very formulaic, there needs to be a there needs to be a middle point where the two meet yeah. before they then meet at the end again. It's uh, it's 112 minutes. I have a bit of <sighs> trivia for you. 112 minutes into the film before they actually share a scene together. Yeah, it's too long. It's yeah. too much. It, um, I think he should have hunted down Lex as soon as he realised the crystals were gone in the Fortress of Solitude. That would have worked better, I think. Yeah, because it did. Uh, it did seem to been look thwarted. like that's what was going on. You know, yeah, he looks did, angry and, then, and, and then he flies he, away. But he never goes to find Lex. He just goes back to to Metropolis, right? I, I, it's odd. It's it doesn't that end that third act would have been better as a shorter third act after a second act that would have been about discovering that Lex had robbed him. Yeah, you know, like that would have been better. And then you can do the whole Lex has got a power over Clark. But don't worry, Clark's going to come back and beat Lex at the end. And yeah. that would have worked better. Do you know, like they did in The, um, the Dark Knight with uh, Bane. Yeah. You have the one moment where they meet Bane and you think, how can he beat this man? He can't beat him, but he learns his lesson so that by the end he can beat him. And it gives that payoff to the film. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, um, it's, it, I think the plot is the, is the film's biggest downfall. 
Yeah, I'd agree with that. And it it sort of meanders through it. Like you say, the pacing isn't so much a problem. It's just it it has no direction. It's sort of aimless pacing. Um, yeah, and, Lo- and Lois spends the whole film trying to find the blackout, yeah. um, which happens about twenty minutes into the film. But that black that bit where she meets Lex on the ship would have been a good place to start your climax, but it isn't because that's about halfway through the film. Yeah, and um, and, the- and then Lois is basically trapped with Lex for another hour before anything happens. And that and that big climax scene where he, he punts New Krypton into space. Um, yeah. that isn't the end of the film it goes on there's the hospital scene and then there's a scene yeah, another half an hour yeah there's yeah. a scene where he goes to see his son um, yeah and um, it's it, it's cool that he delivers the uh, Jor-El lines to his son I like yeah, that yeah and it's 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 more of a sombre film I always yeah. felt like even from to the end it feels more sombre and it also feels like like we were saying that Singer wanted to do a tribute to Donna. I think he achieved that. However, I do feel like the Lex Luthor crystal plot was just a bonus add-on yeah. to think, well, we've got to give Lex Luthor something to do. Yeah. And when you do that with your antagonist, that's not enough for a film. No, it, it doesn't It doesn't hit as much as it should do. Like, the uh, Lex in the original films was the protagonist. There was no doubt about it. Um, yeah. Here, you're not sure whether you're meant to dislike James Marsden almost as much as you dislike Lex. If, yeah, because of how he's portrayed in the film. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, um, so yeah, it's 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 weird. Like Lex is actually treated more favourably in the film than James Marsden is, who's yeah like a jealous fiance. I, I, yeah, it, it's weird. Like that there's there's some sort of insinuation that he's jealous of Superman but it's been five years I kind years of didn't need I didn't need that subplot though, did you no it's, I don't get why it's there um, except to you know give James Marsden something to do it's like they want yeah. to make a film so they just gave people <laughs> stuff to do and they filmed those things and they put them in the film but they, they don't serve the plot in any way no I think I think that's yeah I think that's a fair assessment um, should we do some facts yeah before we before we go, um, so I've got one, and I'm sure you'll have a couple more as well. Um, Will Smith was originally offered the role of Superman. Oh, <laughs> that would have been different. Um, it was to fill the shoes of Christopher Reeve. Um, of course, Nicolas Cage was also being cast by Tim Burton for the movie that never happened. Yeah, um, which was always on the cards, but apparently this was Brian Singer's choice originally to go with the Will Smith and kind of mix it up a bit and change the dynamic. Um, and then it just became about, I think, like you say, finding someone that really did just match yeah. that that attitude that Reeve had, that that uh, that warmth and that love that Reeve brought the character. Uh, and I'm glad they didn't go with Will Smith because let's be honest, Will Smith has been in enough bloody films. Yeah, yeah, especially <laughs> at that time, he was sort of peak Will Smith, wasn't he? He really was. Um, Brandon Ralph had a audition twice before to play Superman and never got it. Ah. Yeah, there's yeah. a fact for you. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, he auditioned for Smallville, um, and he auditioned for the McGee version of Superman, which never came to fruition either. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Well, it, it was obviously it was a role he was very passionate about, and still is really passionate about. Yeah. Like when you um, you read interviews with him, he, he he loves the Superman role. Yeah, he does. 
And uh, another one, uh, Kate Bosworth landed the role of Lois Lane thanks to Kevin Spacey because they'd um, they'd co-starred in a directorial uh, film Beyond the Sea ah. with Kevin Spacey. So she was already friends with Kevin Spacey. She was also in a film called Twenty One about cards, which was also a film Kevin Spacey was in. So they obviously knew each other quite well. Yeah, um, and the actress who l- lost the part of Lois to Kate Bosworth. Uh, was Amy Adams. Oh, well, that's na- that's handy. She got yeah. to do it again. That's good. Yeah, and she later became the new Lois Lane in the uh, DCU films, which we'll obviously be doing Man of Steel before we wrap up Superman, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so we'll be talking about that next time. Uh, the coffee one is on there, uh, which was interesting that you were talking about yeah. uh, him and the coffee. Um, yeah, apparently... <laughs> Apparently, Kevin Spacey, to get into the role of um, of Lex, obviously he shaved his head. Yeah. Um, he also drove around the set in a specially designed golf cart with a Superman doll tied to the back <laughs> so that he could drag Superman around whenever he wanted to on set to make him feel more powerful <laughs> and more uh, more in- insane. Oh, um, brilliant. Always the character actor, so I thought yeah. it was really funny. Uh, apparently restoring restoring Brando uh, to the screen um, it was two weeks of work that he did in the original Donna film okay which he earned uh, three million pounds for doing so three million pounds for Superman 1 1978 yeah gosh and um, yeah the team had to use uh, clever CGI to uh, bring Brando back from the dead and again, if you want to learn more about that or see more about it, there's a really good documentary. Which I think it's on YouTube with the the details of how they how they got to that scene with Brando again. I definitely want, want to watch it. that because it, it is cool yeah. what they did for for the time they did it in as well. Brilliant. Uh, apparently, there was going to be a scene um, when Superman returns, and it was it was the Washington Post, and it was an early draft of Superman Returns. Um, it was talking about the the Trade Center attacks, so the nine eleven, and uh, it was going to be there was going to be a moment where uh, Clark would go to Ground Zero and said, um, "Had I been here, I could have stopped it." Right. Wow. And, yeah, and I was thinking about this because this was obviously shot in like two thousand four, two thousand five. So there was a big point where they were going, shall we in- include Ground Zero? Shall we show, like, if Superman was here, he would have stopped 9-11? They just scrapped it. Yeah. And thank God they did. That, that would have been, <laughs> yeah, in poor taste. <laughs> it, like, could you imagine that in that film? Yeah. Oh, dear. Also, as well, it's like one of those things where people go out with good intentions, but if you don't hit the mark, if you miss the mark, the mark can be missed yeah. so spectacularly. And I think that would have been the case if they'd have done that scene. Yeah, it's like, obviously... Superman is a political character. He was created as propaganda, really. Uh, yeah. So there, there's an element of history behind that, where you know, let's go beat the Nazis and what have you. Um, yeah. A bit like Captain America, <clears throat> but at the same time, it, it's a different era, and that that message just seemed would have been so tone deaf. I think. Uh, yeah. I'm glad they didn't. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't do that. Yeah, I'm glad too. I think that's all I've got really. There's a lot of different ones, but I felt that like they were the best ones I could I could muster. I've got a cute <laughs> I've got a really cute one for you. Go on. So the uh the scene where it shows Clark as a younger kid. Uh Oh yeah. And he obviously the, there's he then wakes up in his 
bedroom and he has yeah. uh, stars on his ceiling. Yeah. Those are astronomically correct. <laughs> That's a really <laughs> weird fact. They, they're all they're all there though. What? Yeah. That's so weird. Who'd put that amount of effort into the stars? <laughs> like I say, it, it shows you, though, that the people on this film really loved what they did. Even if what yeah, they did make wasn't the best film. They loved it. <laughs> they put so if much concentrated more money. on the script. <laughs> <laughs> if they'd just done a better script and stopped looking at those bleeding stars. <laughs> Uh, I enjoyed it anyway. For what it was, it's not it's not the greatest film. No. But if you did like Superman one and two, it does it does it does fit in there nicely as, as a third act. Yeah, uh, and I feel like I can happily rest knowing that I never need to watch three and four again. Yeah, it's definitely better than three and four. Oh, I'll yeah. say that much. Yeah, Mass- massively um, better than three and four. So the next one then, James, will be the reboot, which will be Man of Steel, which we're going to look at. And then we're probably going to close Superman off with a... I guess we'll talk about the future of the franchise with DCU and what they've been doing with him. Yeah. But I feel like watching Man of Steel and then talking about that might be the best way forward, what do you reckon? Definitely. Oh, and can we just mention as well, there was a... Mm. Uh, I don't know if you saw this in uh, in the news. It just popped up on my, my news feed. Uh, there was a, mm. a poll recently in America. Who was their favourite superhero, yeah. Spider-Man or Superman? Superman won. Okay. So Superman nice. is America's favourite superhero. I'm quite surprised at that. Yeah, yeah it is nice. Yeah, so he is more iconic, I guess. Yeah, it's the pants over the tights. <laughs> Does it for people? Right then, James. I am going to get off, and I'm going to go for my evening walk. <laughs> you're, you're you're one allotted walk a day. I hope you've not been out exactly, yet. so I don't bump into anybody other than foxes. <laughs> <laughs> That's good of you. Thoughtful. Yeah. Well, nice to see you again, and we'll see everybody again next week. Definitely. Bye. 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 Bye.